Welcome to Heart Talk. I'm your host, writer, educator, and creator, Tracy Michelle. One of the things that has gotten me through the last six months, whether it was COVID or the movement for Black Lives, protests and uprisings, or even my own personal journey after recovering from a health crisis, is a kind of mindfulness that focuses on embodiment. Too many of us are walking around numb. We can't feel anything. We are unaware of how any emotion actually feels and therefore are unable to do much with these emotions when they come up. And eventually, they always come up. Now, for me, through therapy, deep trauma work specifically, I've learned how to not run away from a particular feeling. In fact, I lean into it. I don't judge myself for feeling some kind of way, as they say here in Philly, I simply pay attention to how that emotion is moving through me, moving through my body. Now, this is cool when the feelings are joy and happiness, love and excitement. It's not so cool when it's pain and fear and resistance. Resistance for me feels like a wall in my brain. It feels like an impasse. I physically feel the tension and pressure in my brows and neck. I also feel my thighs tighten and this weird sensation in my stomach. Now, sure, intentionally feeling all of that might seem counterproductive, but I promise it isn't. It's more about no longer hiding, no longer fearing what is going on in my mind and in my body. What it allows me to do is to be aware of what's happening so that I can call it out. And then that's when my tools kick in. I take my deep breaths. I do my grounding exercises. I pray. I meditate. I commit to at least one sentence, right? Um, And that's just me. That's the writer in me. (laughs) I make some tea to quell that tenderness in my tummy. And then, this is the big one, I talk to the resistance. I tell it, I see you, sis. I see you. I hear you. You can chill now. Relax. Yeah, I know it it might seem like I should be harsher than that. I should cast out that resistance like it's some demon. Nah, that ain't the way, people. In fact, whenever I've pushed hard against my resistance or allowed myself to get angry or frustrated with myself, that joker always shifts into survival mode and doubles down. Then I really don't get anything done. I had someone say to me once, you are very kind to yourself. And I've come to realize that for a large part of my life, that was true. And since I now know that my resistance is still me, it's still a part of me, the part that's anxious or fearful or controlling, I figured out that it's probably better to talk to her tenderly in order to get her off the ledge. And it works for me, right? Um, Resistance doesn't necessarily go anywhere. 
um, even now, a few minutes into this podcast, I can hear her whispers. But the voice of my authentic self has become increasingly louder these days. In spite of grief, in spite of what's going on in the world. So as I gather my tools for my healing journey, for my emotional and spiritual wellness, I get better at keeping my commitments to myself and to others. So this is why I'm excited to present to you my conversation with Teresa Miller today. Healing through art and story is at the core of what we examine and explore here at Heart Talk. And Teresa's story is a wonderful example of what that looks like in real time. Teresa is an African-American actor, voiceover actor, and playwright based in the Philadelphia area. Professionally, she's worked with the Arden Theater Company, Pulley and Buttonhole Theater Company, the Negro Ensemble of New York, the Tisch School of the Arts in New York, Sympatico Theater Company, Allen Lane Theater, and Stagecrafters Theater, and she is a member of Directors Gathering. Her full-length plays include The Last Act, um, which ran in August 2019, uh, the Illinois Five, which was part of the Philadelphia Fringe Festival, um, Freud and His Negro, Ring Shout, Batman and Jesus, and 99 Shots, a requiem for Fred Hampton, which is running in New York in 2021. Her training includes the Walnut Street Theater School, as well as the Negro Ensemble Theater Company. She is a member of the Foundry at Playpen, and really her inspiration to write is this culmination or this intersection of human condition, culture, and race. So let's talk to Teresa. Hey, Teresa. Hello. How are you? I'm good. All right, no, let, me, let me start. Uh, let me uh, start with the way that we normally do here at Heart Talk, which <laughs> is, how's your heart today? My heart is, it's better today. Better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Better is good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, are you making out with this? COVID-19 slash uprising slash foolishness slash <laughs> I don't have any more slashes left. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's uh, I mean, as if COVID wasn't enough, there's, um, for lack of a better word, or it, it, maybe it is the proper word, uprising. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just want everybody to be careful, stay safe, stay yeah. sane. Yeah. Um, I don't, every day it's just different. I don't watch the news. Good. Uh, <laughs> it's, that's, the news is very troubling for a lot of reasons. Most of it is not the truth, especially when it comes to us, right. African Americans, people of color, and um, it's, too much at one time because everyone, I don't know anyone who doesn't have a smartphone, a computer, 
a television, cable, radio, Alexa, uh, whatever, every means of electronic equipment and what's filtering in is news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a... Uh, and then, they're not all, and they're not human interest stories. And they they're not human interest <laughs> stories. And then coupled with Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever else is coming next. So yeah, it's... Uh, I, it's I don't overwhelming. It's very I think that's what it is. It's it's overwhelming and I liken it to uh what was going on in the sixties, everyone was getting it real time because right. the way it was happening to African American people, and I'm not gonna sit up here and say, Now I feel just like how they feel. It's a different type of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I know I know for certain because we all have family members. They grew up that time and you know from time to time they tell us how it was and how bad it was but but this one will give you pause and make your heart skip a beat yeah so and pause. i think I, I think you're right i think it's also the infiltration of of so many different points of view coming in from so many different mm-hmm. places everybody Absolutely. has an opinion mm-hmm. or, and they think that their opinion deserves a stage Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Absolutely. so we're getting it whereas I think in the 60s and again there's no comparison but you know you know they they either heard it from the ground because they mm-hmm. were out there in the streets or they had three channels mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that they yeah. watched and you got it at one time of day yeah you know and you're not constantly being inundated from the time you wake up when you pick up your phone to the news, to the radio, to this, you know, everything. And exactly. it, it just, it weighs on you. And one of the things that, you know, I like to talk about here at Heart Talk is about how, how it sits in our bodies, mm-hmm. how that trauma, that continuous trauma sits in our bodies. And unless we do something to extricate it, I guess, out of our bodies, yeah. it becomes problematic right it becomes a problem and it 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 interferes with our ability to heal and so one of the ways that we extricate it right is through the arts yeah um for me that's right exactly yeah yeah so i want you to talk a little bit about because you're a playwright you're a writer um you're an actress um or actor and Mm um you know i I think that there's a link between the arts and healing. And so I'd love for you to just share with us um, how you think that the arts can help us give our stories air and in turn help us help facilitate our own healing. You know, like what was the day, the moment you fell in love with plays or with words? It was when there were two times. The first time was when, uh, my elementary school teacher decided to show the class. Did she take us? No, because I'm trying to remember. No, she, I think she took us somewhere. Well, we saw the whiz mm. and uh, my mom was with me. And I'll never forget. I said, mom, she said, what? Well, I want to do that. Mm. And she said, what? What they doing? What did you know? The lady in the white dress talking about Diana Ross, mm-hmm. and uh, when they were, it was the scene when they were doing uh, "Ease on Down the Road." Yeah, she met up with Michael Jackson's Scarecrow, 
And I said, oh my goodness, I want to do that. They look so happy and it looked like so much fun. And she said, well, I mean, we'll do it. Mm. And I was like, Uh, it it was now saying that to a kid is like a loaded statement like (laughs) right we ain't got no money like (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna pull this one off so (laughs) so um and then the second time is when I became an adult and it was always in me. I always wanted to do it. Always wanted to do it. I, I, I mean, I went to college, didn't, didn't finish college, did this, did that. Um, all different kinds of things. Still with this in the back of my mind, I want to do what they're doing on the screen. And, and, you know, and it didn't help going on class trips when we would go to theater trips. We would go, they would take mm-hmm. us to New York and stuff. And we would go to Freedom Theater and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, man, I want to do what they're doing. What that's live and it's on stage. And so um that was the first time. And then the second time was when I I just finally I had some really bad things happen in my life. A no, none of my doing, but it was just some really horrible, disrupting things in my life that I, by God's grace, I am still here living. Mm-hmm. And I said, I had, I asked myself, I said, okay, Teresa, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to do whatever I want to do. And that's how I wound up at the Walnut Street Theater School for three Mm. years. I did it completely green. I wanted to do anything and everything that I needed to do to take me where I wanted to go and enrolled in the theater school. And I it was, it was hard. I mean, I'm sitting there in classes with people who I've seen that lady on TV, like, you know, so, you know, it's, it was real, real, extremely humbling, but I stayed with it. I was not good. And you're not expected to be to expect, expected to be when you're green, but I did it and I got better and better and better and better. And then Next thing you know, I was getting into the advanced classes where you have to audition and you have to wait and wait and wait and see if you got in or not. And, you know, and I just kept going and going and going and uh, I fell in love with acting then and then being in theater made me fall in love with plays. And I was always, I, I would read them like books anyway, but it, you know, to learn about these people in the setting that you're training in. So I said, man, you know, I wonder how hard it is to write one. And me, I'll research something to death and, and then just do it the correct way. So that's what I did. Mm. I, you know, I went to teachers and I, hey, read this and, and no, that's not good. And then, you know, it just, trial and error and trial and error. And then one day when I graduated from the Walnut Street Theater School, my teacher, who is a very good friend of mine to this day, Jose Aviles, I wrote this play and it, I put it in his mailbox. And then I hurried up and ran out the building. <laughs> I said, you know what, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to go home. And I didn't hear from him for like four months. Wow. And then he called me. He said, Hey, I said, Hey, Jose, how you doing? You know, we had to put this up. I said, what? Mm. Yeah, we need to put this up. 
Wow. I said, wait a minute. Hold it. <laughs> hold, hold everything. Yeah, we need to, we need to put this up. I, I said, and it was the Illinois Five. So um, from there, it was workshops and working with him. I met with him every week on a Sunday. It was just me and him in his apartment. This is what you don't do. This is how you do it. This is what, what are your characters? What are you trying to do? I mean, I, it was just a crash course, an intensive course in playwriting with this man. With, and, and that's where I am today. And, and it just snowballed from one thing to another, to another, to another. I love that. I love that mm -hmm. so much for a, a number of reasons and a couple of things that you said. One of the things you said was that you experienced some really hard things. Oh, yeah. And then you turned to acting and then later playwriting as, mm -hmm. as I guess, would you say an outlet? Yeah. Yeah, it was an outlet. And, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, is like, what in what specific ways has playwriting specifically, but even like your acting process, has it helped you heal? Like what grief journey has your creativity been able to walk you through? I know for me, um, there were a lot of things that were going on with me, even as a child, where I turned mm -hmm. to the page, right? Like I would write a poem or, you know, even something as seemingly trivial as copying all the lyrics to Mr. Big Stuff by Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not Big Daddy, um, Heavy D, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like I, I would copy all the lyrics down. There was something about even just writing down those, that other person's words that just made me feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and there was something about words that I was just drawn to, this ability to communicate something, an emotion that I couldn't name myself. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't necessarily articulate it myself in my own way, but the mm -hmm. words, the poetry, the, the plays, the, the, the films, all of those kinds of things kind of helped me do that. So I'm just curious as to, as you were going through what you were going through, how has creativity in general been able to walk you through it? It helped me to realize that even though, and even though, how can I put it? I, most people really don't listen. Hmm. And I mean, they hear, you know, they, they can, they have the ability to hear and, but listening requires your mind and your heart as well as your ears. And I grew up around a lot of people who just didn't listen to me. And I love to sit down in a quiet room when I'm writing and some people can have a noise in the background, TV going, or radio. I like complete quiet. And sometimes I'll have all the lights off, too, just the light from the computer. And I can hear myself. Mm. And that's one of the things that you're taught as an actor. You have to listen to what your body wants to do mm. and what your body wants to say. And you, in turn, take that. And because anyone you see, Viola Davis, uh, Ruby D, anybody, they will, uh, especially Viola Davis, they'll tell you, part of me is imparted in that character, but I have to, I have to make that character, I have to turn those words on the page into something that's inside me that people don't see. Mm. 
And I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but it's, it's like, and that the only way to do it is to listen. You have to, you have to, you have to be a very good listener of yourself. And, um, especially when you're writing Mm -hmm. and it helped me during those times when I didn't want to deal with what was going on. So I had to force myself to. Sometimes we're scared of what is going to happen or what may not happen. But that's just our mind saying, nope, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. You know you're scared. No, you do it. You have sometimes you have to sit in chaos Mm -hmm. to understand it, to understand how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what um that's how it helped me. Mm. And I wasn't a talker like 15 years ago I would not have been able to do this interview because I was just so introverted mm. and just did not want to deal with the public and people and things like that that's interesting because what I hear you saying is that um, I, I call it a grief strategy right mm-hmm. like in order to even be able to deal with and heal from grief you have to sit in it examine it feel it all the way right like feel all of it right Mm -hmm. so that you can then design an accurate strategy for how you're going to manage it outside of it right yeah yeah and i think acting is a is a great way to do that because like you said you're sitting in the space where you're hearing everything, right? Yeah. You're hearing every emotion, every tear that you cry, every bit of rage that you feel. You're sitting in that and you're feeling it. And Absolutely. yes, it's to deliver the word, it's to deliver the words that's on the page, but to access that, the, the ability to be able to access that is the same ability that you need to be able to access it when you're just dealing with yourself and your own issues. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my teachers, um, he passed away two years ago at the Negro Ensemble. And he told me, Charles Weldon, and three years ago, because my mom died, she passed away three years ago, and it was in January. And I had got accepted to the Negro Ensemble that March. And I didn't know what, and, and it was my birthday. So I didn't know, I didn't feel like going I was just like, blow all the money. I don't care. You know, I don't care. I, I, I just like, I'm just, my mom is gone. And uh, I went and I'm in New York. It's a early Saturday morning and I'm just traipsing through New York, getting to the theater, getting to the studio. And, you know, he's, we're talking and everything. You introduce yourself and you tell a little bit about yourself and, we went through this text. I think it was King Hedley the Second. It was. Mm-hmm. It's an August Wilson play. Mm-hmm. And after class was over, he uh, he said, "Come here for a minute." I said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "You're so quiet. You know, you alright?" I said, "Yeah." I said, uh, "Yeah, I'm just still dealing with my mom's death. She died in January." He said, "Oh wow, I'm so sorry to hear that." And as and I've known him before and, and he was a very 
accurate, precise, terse man. <laughs> so I'm looking for, okay, go ahead and say, say something. Just say something. You're going to make me mad. I'm going to be mad all the way to Philadelphia. <laughs> he said, let me tell you something. I said, what? And I was ready. He said, that grief that you're feeling, and it's always going to be with you. But you want to be an actor, right? I said, yeah. He said, use it. Mm. He said, use it. Don't run away from it. He said, don't pimp it, but use it. Ooh. Yep. That's, that's an entire and, one right there. And, what he, and when he said to, that to me, I just slumped back down in my chair and I started bawling. He said, use it. Ooh. Yep. And he said, whatever happens to you in your life, like that or worse, he said, use it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the old church ladies would say, it's going to work out for your good, baby. Mm-hmm. It's going to work out for your good. And sometimes mm-hmm. that makes me mad because when you're sitting in the grief and you're sitting in the, mm-hmm. the upset, right, and the overwhelm, right? It's hard to see how any of this is going to work out for my good. And then why does it have to happen in order to work out for my, you know, like you have all those questions. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. Don't pimp it, but use it. Yeah. He said, do not pimp it, but use it. Use it. Mm. Mm, That's powerful. Mm -hmm. So let's talk, let's talk about using it because I'd love for you to share, um, you know, it takes it takes time to birth a story. Mm-hmm. It, t- it takes time to birth a play. It, time, it takes time as an actor to birth a character, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me, even as a writer, I wrestle with the process so much. Like, so I'm curious as to know, like, what is your process? Like, even if you're preparing for a character, if you're writing a play, I know you you have some plays that are doing really well. Um, lately so what is your writing process and I'm curious is if the satisfaction of finishing a script outweighs the struggle in birthing it because like we have to endure and a lot of people don't finish right they don't finish that play that book that story that whatever because they can't get through the struggle of birthing it that process and so I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that if you know what um my process when there's a lot of things that take place when I want to write a certain play or when I want to write a play or when I want to write a new one, it depends on um, how I'm feeling. How important is this thing that I want to write about and how is it, will it be important to other people? Mm. And, uh, just it has to it has to really really move me first mm-hmm. and then the characters that i put in the plays they have to mean something to me so i draw i write my characters based on every person that i've come in contact with in my life wow okay and uh what I'll do is, did that person make me angry? Did that person make me feel loved? Did that person, uh, was I important to them? 
Were they important to me? So all of those things go into the mix of me creating characters for my plays. Everyone that I write about, there's a little bit of everyone that I know in every play that I've written. Wow. So, uh, and I draw from their personalities, the way they walk, the way they hold their mouths, determines how, wh- how they'll say a, pe- a certain piece of dialogue and when they'll say it, mm. um, how old they are. Um, all of those are determinations on how I create characters in a play. And then sometimes I'll even have like these people that I want to write about, these characters that I want to write about, but there is no play for them yet. Like there's no house for this family yet, but there is going to be a house for this family, but just not right now. Cause mm-hmm. I got to finish this one right here, this house. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the way I approach it. And yeah, every man, every play that I've written is there's a little bit of everyone that I know in every character. Wow. Mm-hmm. So do you wrestle with the writing process? Like w- once you have your characters and you're telling their story, whatever story they desire to be told, um, the process of getting to the end, what is that like for you? It's, um, again, there's a process to that too, because I've written the end of plays before I've written the beginning of them. Mm. So I'll keep it saved somewhere or I have notebooks everywhere, like, stuff written down or pages of one or two pages of text somewhere saved on my computer or something. And yeah, it just, and sometimes I wake up two, three in the morning and, Oh man, I got to get this thought out of my head. Cause I just dreamt about it. Oh my God, that's a great middle or ending to a play. And I got to get this done because if I wake up later on, I'm going to forget it. Forget Right. Yeah. So that's how my, my, or in some instances, my process has been beginning, middle, end, write it, write it, write it. And the ending is great or it's okay. But you, and then I wrestle with, uh, always I wrestle with, okay, I like the ending of this play, but will other people, or I don't like the ending of this play, but other people will, there's no more I can write. So Mm. that's all I got. You know, right. you, you just have to throw caution to the wind because, and I've made the, mis- the, the mistake of, I want to rewrite it. Oh, no, that don't sound right. I'm going to rewrite it again. And then next thing you know, you watered down what two, three plays ago, what was great. You've turned it into what in the world did, what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that it's not linear always for you. No, it's, no, it's, it's not. Yeah. And and that's very I think that's very um helpful for people who are listening who think that they have to do it, you know, first act, second act, third act, or you know, no, no, no. in a particular or they the characters have to come this way or that way. Like I think what you're saying is that you have freed yourself from that. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. And that was that was a hard lesson to learn too, because I that's in the beginning I would write beginning, middle, and end and that's how it would be written, but life isn't like that. Hmm. And you're writing about lives of people. So memories, snapshots of life, are they come to you in real life like that, in moments. So you have to write these moments down, whether it's a beginning, middle, or end. It will. You have to trust yourself enough. And this is what I tell myself, Teresa, trust yourself enough that whatever this is, it don't sound right now. 
it does it makes no sense but write it because it's going to fit in somewhere in this play but just keep it because you're going to forget it so just write it now right and it'll fit in somewhere and it always does it always does Mm -hmm. it always does i love that i love that are you um how do you know you're done how do you know a piece is finished uh when the characters aren't talking to me anymore Mm. yeah Yeah. they've become like my they'll become my friends Mm -hmm. and when you're in that zone in your it's getting good and and they they start to tell you what to write Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when they're not talking anymore and there's nothing else to say they're done play is over it's over Mm -hmm. awesome awesome so what do you say to someone who um, is thinking about, like maybe, maybe they have their own story and they have their own grief that they're carrying and, you know, they write a little bit here, or they dance a little bit here, or they, you know, maybe do a little some acting over here. They're really wanting to take that leap into the arts as a way to heal, but also as a way to help give voice to even to other people. Because you talked about other folks. You said, you know, will other people like this image, mm-hmm. right? And the gaze is real, right? Like mm-hmm. you're writing, yes, you know, you're thinking about, you're trying not to think about what other people are going to think about your work, but mm-hmm. it's, it's very challenging <laughs> to, to not to do that. And so what kind of advice would you give to someone or just guidance would you offer for someone who's considering to say, yes, I want to pursue the arts first as a way for me to heal, but also as to help other people heal through the stories I tell? Um, I would what say... What you wish you would have known? What I wish I would have known is it's not A to Z. R happened to me five years ago, and A happened to me two years ago. So, you know, it's... It's, it's not, it's not A to Z, but also life is not like that. Yeah. There's no formula to it. And if you plan on doing, I'm going to do this, this month and next year, hopefully I'll be doing this and this and blah, blah, blah. No, it doesn't work like that. Now I always wanted, I'm going to get my equity card and I'm going to get equity and I'm going to get cast in this show and this, that, and the other. No, I didn't get my equity card like that. I got my equity card being an understudy. Mm. Cast as, as, as an understudy. Easy peasy. I, you know, <laughs> do, do I wish it would happen to everyone like that? Yes. It is not easy to get an equity card, mm. but it just, opportunity and preparation crossed at that T and I was there at that particular moment and that particular moment was meant for me and that's how it happened. So um, someone wanting to get into the arts, you have to have a lot of patience with yourself, not just with other people, but with yourself. How come, dang, I didn't get that. Oh my God, how did I not get that part? Why? And I auditioned and auditioned and it was great. And I, oh my God, I felt great. And I did all these wonderful things and they called me back. At the end of the day, it is business. Mm-hmm. And do not take it seriously. Whether you want to be a playwright or an actor, at the end of the day, it is business. 
what they want or need in their subscription season at the time. But I have a feeling that's changing because of all of the things that are going on. Yeah. Um, well, the Negro but, is in vogue, right? I, I heard somebody, yeah, Leah S. King the, said in, that. The, <laughs> in vogue Negro. So, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, so we've got to get yeah. all the plays, honey. Yeah, yeah. We, we're about to, if you've never worked before in the arts, I hope you are ready to have some tenacity, get you some Gatorade and whatnot. Right. Because it's coming. Right, exactly. At least until the guilt wears off. Yeah, at least until the guilt wears off. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I love it. So as we wrap you up here, I, I've started asking this question um, because I think it, it's a nice book into how's your heart today, you know, and when we open up. And so I've started to ask this of all of my guests. And so I'll mm-hmm. ask this of you. Who is Teresa Miller? <sighs> Teresa Miller, prior to COVID, I was this workaholic, not need, uh, not just in the arts, but in my job that keeps bills paid and keeps luxuries afloat. My uh, just, I work in information technology and I was burning a candle on both ends. I was just not paying attention to, I got lost in the day-to-day routine of things. What I am is someone who, uh, I don't take life too seriously anymore. I only concentrate on the people that I love, that I know, Uh, self-care, that was being neglected before COVID mm-hmm. and someone who is, I didn't realize how, who's, and I'm not even ashamed to say it, like sensitive. Mm. But, and when some people say sensitive, they'll, they, some people may think of, oh, she's touchy. She's, you, you know, hard to get along with. No, just, I didn't realize how empathetic I am until I, was home for three months with myself Mm. and decided to do some self-work because I don't want to go back to pre-COVID. Pre-COVID me. Mm -mm. She can go get rocks. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear you. Yeah. And I I think that if, if there's something we can take out of this, you know, pandemic, Mm -hmm. if there's a purpose that we can pull from it I think that's one of the best things is that we become better as it was yeah 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 I I know I've become a better person I you know I I didn't realize how emotionally and physically strong I am because I told you I'm you know I'm it's just me and I'm doing renovations all by myself and the people in Home Depot know me now so I, I mean, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, you know, and I'm looking around, and it's, I'm, just like amazed at you did this, mm-hmm. you, your girl, you're doing this, 
Yeah. You are doing this. And I, and I, and I'm thinking about what my mom said the week she passed away. I said, mom, you know, and she would always say to me, yeah, when I would tell her, look, I'm going to fix up the place. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. No, don't spend all your money. No, just, just, you know, just hold, just, just don't do anything. Well, the week she died, I had been going to go see her like every day, just going by to see her and stuff. And I told her, and I did this to get a rile out of her, to get her to start laughing. Mm-hmm. I said, mom, I'm going to fix up the apartment. And she said, good, fix it up real nice for yourself. Wow. And that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Fix it up real nice for yourself. That's what she said. She never said that. She said, yeah, good. Fix it up real nice for yourself. I think that's a an excellent uh, way to end. So all of you out there who are listening, you know, whatever it is, fix it up real nice for yourself. Fix it up real nice for yourself. Thank you, Teresa. You're welcome. Thank you. Heart Talk is written and produced by my mommy, Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggins, for Heart Space and New Season Books and Media. Go to hearttalkpodcast.com to learn more. See you next time.